Hello ladies, if you are fed up, confused as hell, or just over all the drama around weight loss, you are in the right place. My name is Bonnie LaFrac and I am your host here at Unfuck Your Weight Loss, where I help you make weight loss easy, achievable, and even fun. Because what is more fun than becoming exactly who you want to be in the body you want to be in? Let's take the shame and bullshit out of dieting and weight loss and lose the weight for the last time. Ready? Let's go. Hey there, welcome back to Unfuck Your Weight Loss. I'm Bonnie LaFrac and I have a cold. So I hope that I don't sneeze or snort or sniffle <laughs> or all of those sounds that just are, they're just not good. I just don't want to hear it. So I'm going to try really, I'm just going to really pray that that does not happen with us today. And uh, my voice is just extra deep and sexy. So perfect for our topic, hormones and weight loss part two. Before I dive in with all of my notes, all of the good stuff, I did want to remind you today is if you're listening in real time, and of course you are because you've subscribed. It is Wednesday, June 7th, and I have a masterclass on summer eating tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern. All the sevens, June 7th at 7 p.m. And it costs $7. I know, it's all sevens. Um, it is the perfect masterclass for anyone who historically has had summer weight gain. And I think that's a lot of people. Occasionally I have a client or two that as soon as it gets warm out, they just tend to have less of an appetite and they are moving more, they're outside more, and they do not gain weight in the summer. However, I have many more clients, friends, people I know, maybe me, <laughs> who do eat and drink more. There's less structure, less routine. There's, I don't know, ice cream. There's just <laughs> parties, uh, weddings, graduations, all the things. And there's, I think for a lot of us, uh, just a lot of past, um, just a lot of connections about when it's warm out, you know, to be outside drinking and eating and by the pool or the beach, drinking and eating. And I'm here to tell you, you can enjoy all of the things and not gain weight. So that's what the Summer Eating Masterclass will be all about. You can still get it, even if you're not available tonight or if you're listening after June 7th. I do believe it will be available as a replay. So everybody who's already signed up, if they are not on the webinar live, that's okay. We will email out the replay. So it's a win-win for $7. Plus we have a great little guide you'll get, including what everybody loves, recipes. It has some other things too. I throw in recipes because, you know, everybody loves recipes. Even if we never make them, it just makes us, I don't know, feel like, oh, that's a good idea. And that's a good idea. I have a lot of good ideas. All my recipes pinned in Pinterest that I do not make. Anyway, I am off topic already. So <clears throat> I hope you've had a chance to listen to last week's podcast. It was called Hormones and Weight Loss Part One. This will be a sort of, you know, a similar, it would be on the similar trajectory and probably in the future, 
I will keep going down the lane of hormones. I do want, of course, to put a disclaimer. I am not a doctor. I am not a PhD. I am not a researcher. I am not a scientist. And I only read the studies just like you. Okay. And this is, this is really based on 20 plus years of working with clients, working obviously with myself, but really just helping you get back in the driver's seat when it comes to hormone balance and weight loss. Because I think what happens is that we feel like hormones, even though they're inside of us, it makes us feel like it's outside of us. It's outside of our control. It's outside of our ability to manage changes that are happening. And it could be just changes from the aging process where you might find yourself going through perimenopause or menopause. It might be other changes, things that are happening because of stress or an illness or an injury or just, you know, there's something going on with you that, you know, is showing signs. A lot of women, even younger women, uh, can have thyroid disorders. You can have uh, metabolic disorders. There are a lot of different things that can happen with our hormones. And I think the biggest takeaway um, for you to really feel like you're getting something from this podcast today is to have a couple strategies that you can take action on. Not saying that um, we can uh, course correct everything just through diet and exercise and stress release, but we can really feel a lot more in control when we understand how much our own choices will factor into our results. Okay, so I did want to also tell you, it's like, and also, um, sometimes achieving hormone balance can feel like trying to hit that specific number on a scale, right? We can do all the things. We can walk, we can lift, we can sleep, we can drink the water, and we could even do it very consistently. And you probably had this experience before in the past. We do the things and then the scale doesn't go down. (laughs) And we think this isn't working. And I just want to normalize this. This is, of course, part of the weight loss process. Um, however, it is true that sometimes doing all of the things will be not quite enough and, or the possibility, if you've ever thought, I know what to do, but I'm just not doing it, or I always did it this way, there could be the possibility that how you are approaching your weight loss, how you're approaching your health, how you're approaching your hormone balance may not be quite on track. And that is okay. That's why people go and they get the blood work and they consult with physicians and they get coaches. And we look at all of the pieces of the puzzle. Okay. So the number one goal is to help you, and and this is for the whole entire podcast, Unfuck Your Weight Loss is all about controlling what you can control. Setting weight loss goals and health goals is great. And I totally advise that you do that and review them regularly. But also know that it is, and this is really important, so I hope you're taking, taking mental notes if you're driving or walking, it is who you become in the process of going for the goal, 
of going for the weight loss, of going for maybe it is other goals too, running the marathon, getting on stage, climbing a mountain. Um, you know, it could be goals in your career, goals in your relationship. It is who you become in the process that is much, that is much more important than an actual number on the scale. So for example, if you're like, well, I, I want to lose 40 pounds. I want to weigh 140. That's my goal. I want to see that number on the scale. All of the work you put into your weight loss, your health, your fitness journey, all of that is really the, that's what you, that's what you win. When you go through all of the steps and you take the time to do the work and put in the reps, whether the scale ever gets to 140 or maybe it gets to 139 or 142 or 146 or what have you, it's who you become in the process of going for the goal, whether that's getting uh, an award, a medal, a trophy, a boyfriend, a husband, a raise, a house on an island, whatever it is, you going for that, including going for better health, better hormone balance, all of that, like going through the process is the actual reward. The scale and even our blood work is going to fluctuate. It just is at any given time. And so for us to fixate only on a specific number is going to, is going to leave us usually feeling a little bit hopeless or desperate or disappointed. And it's, it's not good, right? Ultimately, we want to feel empowered. We want to feel confident. We want to feel calm. We want to alleviate that anxiety around, I don't know what to do or things aren't working out. When it comes to hormones and weight loss, there are a few things I believe just fundamentally. And I want, and I'm going to say that they're very simple. There's nothing like there's nothing. (laughs) This is not going to necessarily uh, rock your socks off. However, I just think it's important to find out, do you also believe this? And if not, I'm holding the belief for you. I'm going to lend these beliefs for you so that when you start to think these thoughts, it will put you in the headspace to take the actions. Okay, ready? Number one, you can lose weight, whether you're in perimenopause and or menopause or have a thyroid issue or have a high A1C, you can still lose weight. You can. I know it, you've heard, I mean, I think it's interesting. There just seems to be a lot of chatter, um, a lot of stories, a lot of Facebook groups, all about menopausal weight loss. And I want to offer you that, yes, number two, okay, and this is a belief, weight loss might be different than it was when you were 25. It might be different than when you were 30. It might be different now that you've already had kids or you didn't have kids or that you're 49 or you're 52 or what. It might be different. Weight loss could be different than when you were younger, but also guaranteed we all did some stupid shit to lose weight. We didn't eat for a week. We didn't eat for three weeks. We ate one meal a day. We, you know, we smoked cigarettes and drank Diet Coke. We did all of these things. (laughs) In the past, I've really not met a lot of 
younger people who are like, you know how I lost weight? I, you know, ate three or four protein-based meals every single day, and I, you know, made sure I had all of my nutrients and vitamins and minerals. No, I ate as little as possible. I chewed gum all day. You know, we did a bunch of stupid shit. And so, yeah, weight loss is different. <laughs> it is kind of, I hope so. Um, number three, you are not stuck. I know you might feel stuck and it is okay to feel stuck, but to remind yourself, you're not stuck. We're always one, like right now, we are just one step, one action, one thought, one belief away from being unstuck, just doing something right now, going for a walk. We are unsticking ourselves. A lot of times stuck is really just stuck in a story, stuck in the past, stuck in how weight loss used to be, stuck in, right, the same old song and dance. And then number four, a belief I have, weight loss can be done without any extreme diets. Okay. And here's the fun part about that belief. What is extreme to one person is not extreme to another person. That's also really interesting. And so whatever is extreme to you, you don't have to do to lose weight. Okay. Um, And I just say this out loud to you so that you can understand that you're not doomed. You're not, you know, forever going to be without the body and life that you want. You can get there no matter what your situation. So let's dive into uh, what is in your control? Because here's the thing. Sometimes we can have a plan. We can be very process driven. We could have everything mapped out. We could have good data. We could be doing all the things. And yet the scale doesn't go down. And yet your A1C doesn't go down. Um, You might be wondering if you're not sure what your A1C is, um, that is a measurement of your blood glucose over approximately three months. So um, I just throw that out there as that is a common marker uh, for people who would get regular blood work. It is a sign of good health. um, And it is something that I frequently ask my clients to check in on. But we, we could go get blood work at any given time and our triglycerides could be up. They could be within normal range. They could be low. All of these different things. Sometimes we do all of the things and the number on the scale or the number on the piece of the piece of paper isn't where we want it. And that doesn't mean we can't get there. That doesn't mean that there's necessarily this huge problem. And to throw all of the solutions all at once, right, to take that shotgun approach is going to make us crazy. So I just want to remind you what is in your control. You have a lot of things that are in your control. And if any, and if you're having some thoughts about what's not in your control, it is worth, it's worth putting it on paper and investigating it. So what do you think? You are in control of what you eat. You get to control what you don't eat, what you drink, what you don't drink, how much sleep you get, how much exercise you get, what you say yes to, what you say no to what you prioritize, what you focus on, what actions you take, who you hang around. I know some of these are like, oh, but no, I don't have control. You do. And all of these things matter because I think it's important to remind yourself when we're looking at hormones and weight loss, we want to, we, we can focus on getting all of our numbers in a specific range, 
But before we get to hormone balance, I think it's really important to look at everyday lifestyle, the things that we do actually have control of. And I I want to also say, because I'm not a doctor and not a scientist, I did back away a little bit from getting, getting a little bit because I did want to, I thought I was going to talk about maybe blood sugar and I will probably, um, touch on it. I just didn't, this is not a science podcast and I, and it's just really more about mindset because obviously if you want to lose weight, you've probably lost weight before you've probably lost weight many times over. And it's not again, because, um, you're doing it wrong or you don't have willpower or you don't know any better. It's just that, losing weight is, uh, it's complicated. We have hormones. We have hormones that, you know, are involved in weight loss. We have hormones that are involved in hunger signal signaling and satiety. We have a lot of hormones that, you know, help us, you know, with say our cortisol curve, like when we actually have energy, if we're overly tired, uh, we have a lot, obviously hormonally that's going on when it comes to weight loss, but we also have just probably a lot of decades of negative self-talk, um, not great body images, right? Whether that is just something we heard from our childhood, um, or something somebody said to us, a lot of what we tend to think about ourselves, about food, about our size, about what our body should look like is an accumulation of everything that we've picked up over the decades. I like to think of our brain as kind of a combination of supercomputer and sponge. <laughs> it's kind of the best of both worlds and the worst as well, right? We're just constantly, or like this idea of a little snowball going down a hill. And as the snowball goes, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And sometimes that's what's happening with all of the beliefs that we have around our shortcomings, why we don't look good enough, why we're not losing weight, why, you know, we're not attractive or we're not in the right size or we, you know, we're not going to be successful. All of that. It's like the snowball going down the hill, picking up the sticks and the rocks and the trash and the leaves and the junk and becoming this big, horrible, amorphous, icy, terrible snowball that's not even purely snow anymore. It's just picked up a lot of crap on the way down. And I know that's happened for a lot of us when it comes to weight loss. And it is, um, it is easy to say it's, you know, dieting, it's diet's fault. The diet industry is to blame or, you know, my hormones are to blame. No, I think, um, there's a lot of factors. Okay. And I think it's really important for you to understand that you're normal, you're human, you've done nothing wrong, and you can make the change in your body and in your mind and in your life to lose weight. And we don't have to make it hard. Okay. So I did step back and say, I don't want to (laughs) go, I don't want to be prescriptive in this podcast. I don't want to tell you exactly what to do, what to take, all of the, um, you know, hormones to test. I do right inside of self-made and even in self-made society, we have resources for that. That way it's a little bit more controlled. I know right now this podcast is getting over a hundred thousand listens. So I don't want to plant seeds that don't need to be planted, right? This is not prescriptive, but When it comes to hormone balance, when we're talking about what is in my control, let's walk through it. Food wise, I do think protein at every meal is going to help you lose weight, 
feel better, preserve muscle mass, balance your blood sugar. Okay, balance your blood sugar. So now we're talking about hormonal balance. A lot of times when we think about hormones, and especially for any of my friends, my women in their 40s, 50s, and beyond, when we're talking about or thinking about perimenopause and menopause, we're often thinking about estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, um, maybe thyroid, but mostly like those sex hormones, the different, you know, how our bodies start to change. We get a little wider in the waist, right? Where women typically, especially younger, tend to have more body fat in their lower half of their body where, you know, kind of where hormones are guiding our body. And we start to see um, our bodies change. And with perimenopause and menopause, some of the other hormones are where I would take a look. Insulin is an important hormone, one that we cannot live without. If you ever have had anyone close to you, friends, relatives, or you know a little bit about type 1 diabetes, insulin is a hormone we cannot live without. Insulin is what our bodies use to take blood sugar, right, which is essentially food that we've eaten that's been converted to energy. Insulin is released from our pancreas to take this energy and put it somewhere. And so when we talk about food and eating and what your intake is or your diet or your nutrition, it is something that I think can be really effective to lose weight, feel better, have better hormonal balance is to really take a look at how your meals are structured. And you've heard me say this a million times, right? Keeping some type of tracking. It doesn't have to be macro tracking, but having data, I would really urge you to do a 14-day food journal and see how you're eating. Are you grazing all day, snacking all day, taking bites of this, bites of that? Or are you prioritizing having meals? At least, I would say for most people, probably three meals a day. I know I do have some uh, friends and clients who do two, mostly in the three and four. And that way you're eating probably every four or five hours, um, obviously eating when you're hungry. And that protein at every meal can really help feel, you know, fill you up and balance that blood sugar, right? So that you don't have these like blood sugar spikes. And what that means is like if you wake up and your first meal, for example, is a bowl of fruit or like special K cereal and a banana, things like that, that really don't have protein. I think special K might actually have protein, um, but not compared to the amount of carbs it would have. And certainly uh, cereal is tend to is processed. Um, even something that's not processed, fruit, berries, a banana, what have you. And we can go, we can get into the weeds here, but we're not, we're not going to on the glycemic index or glycemic load on certain fruits. When we really want to think about anchoring the meal with a protein. And I have, um, I, I've kind of gone down a couple different rabbit holes with blood sugar because it is one of the things that um, has been important to me. I've always had uh, my blood glucose has always been a little bit high. And when I uh, was pregnant with my girls, I did develop gestational diabetes. And if any of you are listening and you've had gestational diabetes, it does put you in a situation where you are more likely to develop diabetes type 2. So you do want to pay attention to what you're eating. So I look for protein at every meal. I look for vegetables at as many meals as I can. I look for as many unprocessed foods as I can. I avoid seed oils. Like I definitely do not like to use canola, 
uh, grapeseed. I don't like to use a lot of oils. Um, I definitely avoid fake foods like margarine, for example, or any of these sort of hydrogenated like spreads and things like that. Does that mean I eat like a saint every day? No. Does it mean that I don't enjoy pizza? No. Um, but I do think, I do think about um, if I'm eating pizza, what else am I eating? What is on that pizza? And I do think about every single meal. If I'm going to, let's say I want an egg sandwich. Okay. Is there cheese on it? Is it egg whites? How many yolks? Are there vegetables? Um, do I want to do just one piece of bread? I do really think about starting the meal with either protein first or vegetables first, um, and then putting the carbs at the back end of the meal. And that way my blood sugar stays more stable. And not only does that make my doctor happy when my, you know, fasting blood glucose is within range and it's usually not by the way. Um, and that's, that'll be the part three podcast. Um, but also you will probably notice you have better energy throughout the day. You don't have brain fog. You just feel better when your blood sugar is more balanced. A lot of people don't realize until they make some changes that they are getting these like wild swings, right? We wake up, we have a banana or even sometimes a protein shake can cause that spike, right? Because it's obviously a very processed food. It could have whatever, a lot of different sweeteners. It could have a lot of, a lot of people will make protein shakes with a lot of fruit and that can really do a number on how you feel. So, um, I think we have a lot of control over how we eat and a food journal is a great tool to see on the daily. Are you snacking? Are you taking little bites? Are you not really being intentional with your food intake? Number two on my list, sleep, rest, recovery. Um, a lot of times I get it. You might be in a situation where you work overnight. You might be in a situation, maybe you have small kids in the house or you have, I've had a lot of clients, they've had, um, I'll call them elderly pets. <laughs> they have old animals. They have old dogs or cats and you know animals that are keeping them up at night. I do think to, your, to do your best on assuring that you get at least seven hours of quality sleep every night. I know that every night's not going to be perfect. We're going to have situations. You might have a sick kid or a sick spouse, or you might be traveling and, you know, feel like you have jet lag. We're not always going to have great sleep, but if over the, over a length of time, you've been, um, really shortcutting your sleep, it's going to catch up with you. You're not going to feel well. You are probably going to have um, some hormone imbalance where maybe the cortisol and insulin levels are playing with each other. Um, again, I don't want to go too deep into diagnosing or being prescriptive, but I can tell you with adequate sleep, you will find that you have a lot less, um, of those carb cravings. You will feel, uh, just better overall and rest does sometimes mean, you know, taking a day off from the gym or listening to your body if you're coming down with a cold or let's say you have an injury. A lot of clients, um, you know, will will start talking about what's going on and they've had a nagging injury that they just haven't had looked at. You know, whether that's they, you know, have arthritis and they need an x-ray or they need an MRI. Um, you need to go to physical therapy. You might want to try 
acupuncture, chiropractor, massage. There are a lot of different ways to recover and take care of an injury because what's happening is this inflammation, internal inflammation. I know sometimes we think about inflammation and we think we'd be able to see it. Like it would be a big bump or a bruise or a swelling or a rash or some way to know that we have inflammation. But sometimes it really is you know, silent except for, oh, my shoulder kind of hurts or my knee hurts. Um, a lot of us I know are, are doing wearables, right? You might have a Fitbit, you might have an Apple iWatch, you might have that Aura ring. Um, what is interesting, if you track heart rate, for example, you can start to see trends. Am I getting enough rest? Am I getting enough recovery? Do I sleep enough? Am I taking care of stress? Um, I'll give a little example. Um, I occasionally look at my heart rate data. I look at, I have an aura ring. It's pretty fascinating. Um, and it's interesting. Um, right now I am running a little experiment. I am wearing a continuous glucose monitor. Um, again, to get a little bit more data on uh, where I'm at, sort of being in the pre-diabetes range, actually. My A1C historically um, is about 5.7 to 6.2. So it's, it's in that range. And again, I know I said I wasn't going to get sciency, but I, I'm just going to give you a little example of data. Um, a couple weeks ago, um, my kids had a, nin a ninja competition and I was very stressed out about the ninja competition, mostly because, um, my fear was one of them would succeed and, you know, make it to this next level competition. They'd make it to the world and the other one would not. That was my fear. Um, and it is interesting. Like I, you know, had plenty of sleep. I've been exercising. I've been eating right. All the things I'm doing the things I'm doing all the things. And when I looked at the data from that day, my average resting heart rate was like 85 that day. And it just goes to show, even though, and I felt fine. I mean, I had a lot on my mind and I was worried and I was, you know, worried for them. Um, you know, I'm a, I will confess I'm a little bit of a helicopter mom. <laughs> I am. I, as much as I know failure and pressure testing your kids is how they become resilient and how um, they grow up to take chances and to take risk, which my kids do. Um, but silently in the background, I'm literally cavelling. I'm dying. I am. And my heart rate showed that. My resting heart rate tends to be like normally 65, maybe 70 max. And it was 85 for the day. And so I mentioned that to you to let you know if you're under a lot of stress and you're not necessarily, you know, you might think that it's resolved or it's not a big deal or I can handle it. Stress over time, you're, yes, you can handle it, but your body is battling it. And I don't think it's necessary. I think, you know, I think stress is one of those things that is part of life, but we want to have ways that we can de-stress, that we can rest, that we, maybe you do yoga, maybe you meditate, maybe you, um, you know, just literally take time to yourself. You take that relaxing walk, you talk, talk out some of your fears or, you know, anxiety with someone. I think it's really important. Um, and I know as women, we're kind of in this, you know, super, we're, we're super, right? We're super women. We do it all. We can handle it all. We can handle all the stress and we do, but it takes a toll. And sometimes that toll is we don't feel like we have control 
over our lives or we don't have enough time for ourselves. And so in the little bits of time that we do find, that's where we're eating and drinking because we're exhausted or because we don't have an outlet or because we feel like that is our only thing to look forward to our only joy. And so I'm going to give you permission to have all the feelings about that and to see what of everything that I'm mentioning that is in your control that you would like to tackle first. I don't think it's helpful for me to say, hey, lady, you're in control of all these things. And if you're not, then there's a problem with you. That's not what I'm saying at all. I want to put you behind the wheel in the driver's seat and I'll sit right next to you in the passenger seat and I will be happy to walk or drive or, you know, barrel down the highway with you as you pick the one thing that you are going to uh, put your full control behind, right? Because doing the shotgun approach and trying to do all the things is what's making us feel, I think, more stressed out and more burnt out and is actually causing us to be constantly stressed. And then, but wait, there's more. When we're in this constantly stressed situation, a lot of times we're not eating protein or we're not eating quality protein or we don't have time to make our food. We don't have time to eat, right? We're rushing out the door. We're delivering the kids to work, uh, to school and we're going to work and we're picking up the groceries and we're dropping the dog here. We're doing all of the things. Um, and yet we still want to lose weight we end up really kind of throwing a little bit of gasoline on the fire. And I know I've used that phrase many times in many podcasts. And we try, to, you know, we think we got to run on the treadmill. We think that we have to do, um, you know, intensive sprint workouts. We have to lift as fast as we can. We have to lift as, you know, heavy as we can all the time. We have to go, go, go. We have to keep up with everybody else. And that kind of extra added stress actually does not work. It backfires for, especially for women over 40. I mean, I get it. My hormones kind of went sideways under 40, but if this is you where you're running on fumes, um, doing more exercise, pushing yourself harder is not the answer. And I'm not saying it's no exercise, but it is being a little bit more intentional about walking, right? Walk, don't run. I know. Crazy. Um, I know you're going to argue, well, my, you know, Fitbit or my Apple watch says I burn more calories, but we're also burning ourselves out. And if we really do want hormone balance, we're going to have to learn how to do things that are stress reducing, more recovery work. Okay. Lifting weights. Hey, you know what? Your weightlifting routine does not need to be fast. It does not need to be furious. It does not need to be sexy. It does not need to be anything than you getting some progressive overload to your muscles. That's really what weightlifting is. If you haven't been lifting weights ever or in a long time, you don't have to go from zero to 60, right? You can do 10 minutes of weight training is what I would probably do maybe twice a week if you aren't doing anything at all. If you're already someone, and I have a lot of clients in my orbit who are already working out a lot, I'm not saying to ditch your workouts, but let's take a look. Is there some, you know, are you doing a lot of HIIT workouts? Are you doing a lot of really, um, you know, aggressive cardio-based workouts? And can we slow that down a little bit? It will help you recover faster. It will help you with your form. It will help you have less injuries probably. Um, And that's where I would go if I'm looking for hormone balance. When I look at how I work out, that's what I'm looking at. 
That's what I'm looking out for. And there might be other activities that you enjoy. Things like yoga or maybe a bar class or you like to go ice skating or rock climbing or you like to um, you know, go hiking, you like to be outside, you like to go for a swim, things like that is doing other types of workouts that sort of, you know, they weren't wrong when they talked about cross training, right? Letting your, you know, giving your body different stimulus rather than trying to grind it down with a lot of high intensity stuff. Um, when it comes to supplements, and I've said this before on, I think the, I think on part one is I really look for basics. I really, before I get into, you know, trying the latest and greatest fad and things like that, um, you know, if you, I'll give you one example. If you don't already supplement with D3, I would get your D3 checked, have the blood work done. Probably if you're not supplementing, it's going to be low or at the bottom of the range. All right. And having D3, adequate D3 can really help you with bone health. It can really help you with um, overall, um, mood, um, and overall metabolism. It's, it's really kind of imperative that your D3 is within range. So supplement, I would supplement after you actually have blood work rather than us just throw a bunch of supplements at you and not really knowing where you're starting from. And then, you know, depending on what your doctor says, maybe you could get blood work twice a year and just track that. I wanted also to mention, you know, some of the things that I see um, when it comes to hormone balance and when it comes to weight loss and women and all the things that I'm really passionate about. The majority of women that I have spoken to in the last, I would say almost three years, the majority of women who've come to me for help, who've enrolled in self-made or who are now part of the society membership, the majority of those women who've lost weight and gained weight and lost weight and gained weight and are really, you know, really at a situ, you know, at that point of no return are the ones that have come out of really aggressive intermittent fasting combined with keto combined with high intensity types of exercise. Those, those, those things together, um, I think are problematic. Almost to the point where I would say, if anyone tells you to do intermittent fasting where you fast for three days at a time and you only eat high fat and you do really high intensity workouts, I would say run, <laughs> run from that person. Um, anything in a short period of time, you know, if you wanted to try in intermittent fasting, if you wanted to try, um, you know, some type of hit workouts, the high intensity workouts, if you wanted to try uh, some kind of keto style menu, Yes, I would within reason, but I would not go literally hog wild on all three and try to do that um, and sustain it. What I have found when it comes to intermittent fasting, I mean, essentially you can find, a, again, because this is not a science podcast, you can find a lot of research on intermittent fasting. Essentially how it works for most women is that it is just a reduced eating window. And so we end up eating less than we need. And it becomes that it does create that calorie deficit that does obviously lead to weight loss. So here's how I like to introduce intermittent fasting to my clients. Number one, the first step, 
and probably one that is very sustainable and can last for a very long time is really just that 12-hour eating window where you have 12 hours out of the day that you actually ingest calories and the other 12 hours that you don't. So for example, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. At 7 a.m., I'm making coffee, I'm using half and half, right? There's actual, I mean, so the coffee's not a problem, but once I use half and half and I'm using some type of sweetener and all of that, now my now the clock has started on my eating window. And, and if I finish eating by 7 p.m., I have created an eating window of 12 hours. And for a lot of people that works really well, whether it's 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. or 5 a.m. to 5 p.m., it just depends on your schedule, or 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., that works really well. If you wanted to be more aggressive, um, I have used a 10-hour eating window. It is a little bit harder, especially if you like cream in your coffee, which I do, um, but it can be done too. You could do 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. or 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., um, but doing more extreme fast, I have found much more stressful to my female clients. I think that eight-hour eating window, which you see a lot, the 8, 8 16, um, works well for men. And I think that's what is also interesting when you look at the studies, when you look at the data on intermittent fasting or keto and things like that, just be sure you're looking at studies that look at someone just like you. If you're a woman over 40, is the study about women over 40? Chances are it's not. It's a study about random people or men and women or women, or you know, that's what I would look at. And a lot of times with extended fasting, you will have um, the extra added stress of being very hungry, of not sleeping. Uh, then you get really kind of obsessed with food. Then we tend to overeat as soon as the window opens. And then we get that spike in blood sugar and we get sort of that roller coaster. Um, I have not met too many women. I know of maybe one or two who have kept up that lifestyle of extreme fasting where, you know, it's two and three and four day fasts every now and again for health reasons. I just don't see that working for most clients, especially when you want to have a sustainable way to lose weight. You want to feel vibrant. You don't want to be obsessing over what time can I eat. Um, that's, that's really what we have control over. And so when it comes to hormones and weight loss, a lot of times it is not, um, it is not as hard as everyone is going to tell you. Yes. Is your body different? Yes. Is it possible that you do have some hormone things to work on? And the only way to know that is to actually have a conversation with your doctor, with, a, you know, the right practitioner to review any symptoms that you're having and to get blood work. Common symptoms, of course, you know, sometimes we don't even recognize that we are tired, have very low energy, uh, very moody, right? We kind of think that's just how life is supposed to be, but it's not. Um, have a hard time recovering from exercise, sleepless, um, a lot of hot flashes, um, sweaty um, or very cold, hair loss, dry skin, constipation, irregular cycles. Uh, all of those things are worth noting and talking to your physician to find out what exactly is going on. 
Obviously, I'm a big fan of general metabolic testing, so we know your cholesterol levels, your triglyceride levels, um, your in, you know inflammation in your body, like C-reactive proteins. Like I would like everybody to know you know where they stand health-wise, but to also communicate to your doctor symptoms that you are actually experiencing. Um, and it could be um, like lack of appetite, um, always feeling hungry. Um, never feeling full, digestion issues, all of those things do matter. But before you rush off to think there's definitely something wrong with you, when we come back to how we're eating the majority of time, when you come back to prioritizing protein at every meal and adding vegetables into as many meals as you can, right? I know sometimes vegetables at meal one, it's kind of like, well, I don't want to eat vegetables for breakfast, but you might. Looking at how much processed versus unprocessed food you're taking in. Um, how many of, you know, are you using a lot of these seed oils or fake foods, you know, the margarines and things like that. When you really start to dial in on exactly what you're eating, a, a lot of my clients do find that their symptoms, all of the, the things that is, you know, the, the brain fog, the moodiness, the, you know, uh, even skin breakouts, the sleeplessness, a lot of these things do resolve over time. When we, you know, really spend time feeding and watering ourselves the same way we would feed and water our children or our spouse or our parents, right? We actually take the time to figure out what is it that I'm eating or a lot of times because we've been dieting for so long, we're under eating. I've gone through uh, food logs with many clients and when we go and we add up what they're actually eating, it looks like, you know, sometimes it's 700 calories, 800 calories. It's just not enough to fuel an adult woman through her regular day, right? Never mind, try to work out, um, try to feel good, all of that. So that was a lot, right? Um, I just want to circle back. Unfuck Your Weight Loss is really about normalizing the human experience, letting you know that what you're thinking or how you're feeling about your weight, your body, your size is something that we can work on and that we want to work on it while we lose weight and not wait for it, you know, for us to magically feel, I'll feel better, I will be happier, my life will be so much better once I lose the weight. Because I think we've all been down that road before. So I wish you a wonderful week. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, please hop on over to my free group. I have a Facebook group. It is for women. It is called Food Fitness Fat Loss for Real Life. Please ask the questions over there. You can also follow me. I'm on Facebook, Bonnie. Uh, it is uh, Bonnie.Lafrac. And on Instagram, it is Bonnie Lafrac. Information about the Summer Eating Masterclass will be in the show notes. So even if you're listening to this after the date, I believe it will still be available to you. And just know that summer eating guidelines can be really helpful for you to, whenever you take a vacation year round, uh, long weekends holidays, birthdays, all of the strategies and tools that I'm going to talk about will actually be useful all year round. So I hope you have a great one. Thanks for tuning in on. I appreciate you. 
Thank you so much for tuning in to Unfuck Your Weight Loss. The next step, of course, is to take action on something we discussed because implementation beats information all day long. If you enjoyed this podcast, thank you for being here and please leave a review wherever you tune in for all of your podcasts. Please be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Looking forward to dropping all the F-bombs with you next week. Have a good one.